Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing was the first thing for me that I realized I could really express myself freely. Like, I, it was kind of a safe place. It was, a, you know, I could, because I was never the best student, but I always knew that I had the capability to focus and stuff, because I'd always be able to fish for eight hours by myself. and. <laughs> And so, you know, my teachers were like, you need to, you know, be on track and do all this stuff and, you know, learning disabilities. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't think so. I just think it's more focused on nature and, you know, connecting that way with the world and stuff. So that was kind of my outlook on it. <laughs> This is the Tom Rowland Podcast, fascinating stories to amaze, encourage, and inspire you in fishing, fitness, and the outdoors. And we're brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. I started this podcast as a way to connect with my friends, people that I admire and respect, and you. It has been a learning journey that's made me a better person, a better fisherman, a better father, and a better athlete. I'm so happy that you're on this journey with me, and I'd love to hear from you with show suggestions, guest suggestions, or questions. The best way to get a hold of me is through text. You can text 305-930-7346 for the fastest response, but if you prefer to email, you can send that to podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. That's a dedicated email address just for the show. If you like this show, you can show your support by posting about it on social media and tagging me. Text the link to a couple of friends that may also enjoy it and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you feel like I've earned it. The website is tomrollandpodcast.com and that is where everything lives. All past shows, you can go and listen to any show. You can look up all the different shows that we've done both the how-to Tuesdays, the full links, and the physical Fridays. They all live on TomRolandPodcast.com. And the social media is Tom underscore Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D, on Instagram. Or you can go to our big account, Saltwater underscore Experience. I hope to hear from you soon. So now, let's get on to today's show. 
How's it going? This is Calder Allen, and you're watching the Tom Rollin Podcast. Calder, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. I'm so excited that uh, that we made contact and I got you on here. Um, man, I, I uh, you were the first person that I saw at Bonnaroo and uh, the first <laughs> show this year. So congratulations on on uh, getting that gig. That was that was pretty cool. Did you like Bonnaroo? Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. It was my first time playing out of Texas because I'm originally from Austin and it was my first show ever out of the state and it was cool to see, you know, all the campgrounds and stuff and kind of that whole scene. <laughs> That's a pretty big one. That's a pretty big festival to uh, to play. And you're, you're 19 years old, right? Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Cool. And um, yeah. Your your no, sound, man, is is awesome. <laughs> I mean, I really, really, really like it. We listened to it this morning uh, while we were working out. Um, I put it on as the as the warm up music. We listened to the whole album, and all the guys <laughs> like it, man. It's it's great. You just got this great sound. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Yeah, man. So what's what's uh you know when I looked at your album cover, mm -hmm. I see that there's fly time bobbing. There are flies. There's a fly reel. There's a knife. I think there was a pencil sharpener. Um, what What's the significance of your album cover? Why did you select all of those things to be on top of your cowboy hat? Well, the, the idea behind it was, you know, the bird's eye view of the brim was kind of like, um, you know, just a collage of all my experiences, you know, throughout the past four years. And because I started writing songs during COVID, it kind of just, that's kind of what I put my time into. And I knew how to play the guitar uh, for a little bit, and but never really wrote to the, the chords that I knew or anything. It was always really just campfires and stuff like that. But yeah, over COVID, I started writing a bunch of songs and realized that they all were connected with what I had experienced in the past four years. And that was kind of the inspiration behind the cover. And so tell me how fishing has been so influential in your life. Well, I think, it, you know, fishing was the first thing for me that I realized I could really express myself freely. Like, I, it was kind of a safe place. It was, a, you know, I could, because I was never the best student, but I always knew that I had the capability to focus and stuff because I'd always be able to fish for eight hours by myself. <laughs> and, and so, you know, my teachers were like, you need to, you know, be on track and do all this stuff and, you know, learning disabilities and i was like well I don't, I don't think so i just think it's more focused on nature and you know connecting that way with the world and stuff so that was kind of my outlook on it <laughs> well i think we came from the same place because i would have been di diagnosed with every learning disability but it wasn't really a learning disability it was more of an interest level like i just wasn't yeah. interested in what was going on at school and then exactly. you would get like i was a wrestler and i was interested in that and I was interested in fishing and I was interested in hunting. And just like you, like, there's no problem concentrating on the things that I liked. It was just that yeah. nobody was talking about the things that I liked in school. Yeah, exactly. And that was kind of your, your, uh, your experience too. Exact experience. Yeah. So do you, I mean, this seems extremely, um, accelerated that you just start writing, writing songs in COVID and uh, which really wasn't very long ago uh, by my by my standards, really, as you get a little bit <laughs> older, the years go by a little faster, I think. But it wasn't very long ago. And so you write these songs and now you've released your first album, which is fantastic. 
and and so much is happening for you right now is does that seem accelerated to you or was it like a natural process that just it just started flowing or what what was that like it's definitely something i'm getting used to in the sense of just kind of getting used to performing in front of people because i've never really done that before and singing songs that are you know meaningful to my my life and me and my family and kind of my experiences is it's weird showing that to other people in an honest way but I'm getting used to it and it's super fun and the way I look at it now is you know I my band members and I are really close and I just feel comfortable with them and I don't really worry about what's going on off the stage and it's really it's it's gotten to a place where I'm pretty comfortable now but I am getting used to it because it is very new especially too because of COVID because you know you have this two-year gap of just not really seeing anyone like that it was just you know it's, it's interesting to well, go from that to that well it's also interesting yeah. from from the 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 spectator or the fan perspective because it was also missing for us like Bonnaroo didn't happen for two years one was because of COVID and then the, b- the year before that it was um it, it kind of got rained out and 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 flooded so mm-hmm. all the people that were at Bonnaroo they haven't been to that festival in two years and yeah. it felt new, like everything felt kind of new and kind of um, different. I mean, kind of like you're getting used to it again. You're getting used to being yeah. around all these people. You're getting used to, to doing that. And, and we're watching you getting used to being on the stage, which was pretty cool. How did you, uh, how did you hook up with your band? So I grew up in Austin. I'm a sixth generation Austinite and I just met them through my, so my grandfather, my uncle, my dad, my whole dad's side of the family is really into the arts. And, you know, if they're not, you know, doing playwrights, they're writing songs. And, you know, my uncle's a keyboard player. And really through him and through the producer that helped me with, uh, with the record by the name of his, his name's Charlie Sexton. And he helped me with get the whole band together and piece it you know, one by one and kind of slowly, but it came together over the past year, pretty slowly, but together it was good. Hmm. And what's that process like? Like you, you write a, you write a few songs in COVID and then are you kind of playing with people that you know, and somebody hears this and goes, man, that is really good. Like this kid has some talent, let's put a band around him or like, how does it, (laughs) what does it, what does that do? What is that like? Well, it's different for everyone that I, that I've met, but, you know, for me, what happened was I wrote these songs and, you know, my brother has a record out too that he did in high school and that he was happy with. And, you know, I figured, especially with my family being, you know, as, you know, in the music world as they are, I would do something in it in the sense of have a record out, but I never would try and I never thought in the world that I would pursue it full time. And then, you know, COVID hit, wrote all these songs, kind of fast-tracked this whole process in my mind of, like, what's important to me and, like, what I want to do and how I want to look at things. And the whole recording process of recording the songs um, with Charlie and Jacob Skiba and everyone over at Arlen Studios kind of made me realize that I wanted to pursue it full-time because it was just a really welcoming experience. Wow. And, Yeah. That's awesome. So, but to answer your question, what happened for me was 
after the recording process, I realized that I wanted to play uh, live and do all these shows and stuff. But I still had to go up to the University of Montana for about three months because well, that's really when I realized I, I wasn't a, a college kid is when I was up there because I was fishing too much. <laughs> yeah. Like, so tell me about that. Really. Like that was the, that was the plan before as you were going to go to Missoula university of Montana. And what were you planning on yeah. studying there? I was going to major in outdoor recreation through their PTRM program and minor in music. And then I realized like pretty shortly when I was up there that I was pretty distracted with all the rivers and <laughs> fishing opportunities <laughs> Um, what rivers were you fishing mostly? Mostly the Bitterroot is what I like spent most of my time on, but the Clark Fork was always easy because it ran, you know, right in town and the Blackfoot was right there too. And there's a bunch of little, you know, spill offs of these rivers that are amazing fishing too. So mm -hmm. kind of all these little, but mainly the Bitterroot. What was your trout fishing experience like before you went to Missoula? Well, my brother went to college at Boulder. Okay. And he was going to play basketball there, but got injured and ended up rooming with another, you know, fly fisherman from Austin, Texas, by the name of Noah Thompson. And my brother Sled got into it there. And so when we would go visit him when he was in school, I would trout fish with him. Nice. But besides that, it was it's pretty much all bass fishing in in austin and stuff which is great because what it, you know bass fishing in austin and really texas in general you know it teaches you how to double haul and strip and move a fly and do all the stuff that you need to do for salt water so and i love salt water so yeah it's kind of it preps you really well well the <laughs> funny thing is, is um i i checked in with some of my friends um around your area and i got something from um, a mutual friend of ours, Yako Lucas. And <laughs> let's see if I can figure out how to do this. I don't know if I can. Um, he sent me some pictures of you fishing with him. So are you seeing that or not? No? I can't see it. Okay. Um, but I'm assuming you're going to pull up a black drum photo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's it. <laughs> um, what about now? Can you see that? Yeah, yeah, that's great. So that, and then there were some videos too. Um, I may, I'm just butchering this uh, this screen share. I was going to try to um, <laughs> to get it going, but there, you you caught some um, really good black drum with with Yako, and um, he's a he's a cool dude, isn't he? Yeah, he's awesome. How many times have you fished with him? Here's a video. I've just fished with him that one time, and. Uh, we hung out a few times before that, you know, just at the at the film festivals in uh, in Austin and stuff. But that was the only time I fished with him. But we still text all the time. I'm trying to figure out another date to go out. Yeah, and, uh, you definitely yeah, should. No, that was that was a fun day. <laughs> so were you fishing um, with him? Were you catching those fish right in that Spartina grass behind you, or or? Yeah, well, it was. It was pretty insane because it was you know, 20 mile an hour winds, but these fish were tailing and it was really cool to see because it wasn't, the flat wasn't really wind protected. So it was still ripply in there and stuff, but to see them comfortable in that type of water was pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah, that is. Um, they do that. 
um also in south carolina there's like the spartina grass and they get way up in there and they i mean it'll be dry most of the time right and then mm -hmm. you find these big tides and then the fish know about those big tides too and everybody goes up in there and they're eating all the snails and everything that's on the, that's on the grass and all everything crabs and everything else that's generally yeah. most of the time not available to them it's pretty pretty special yeah. it can only last you know sometimes it'll be like 15 to 30 minute window where you can get up in there and they'll really be tailing nicely but that's that is one of the coolest fishing situations ever when those fish get way up in that grass that's well awesome. i saw with, yeah i was looking at uh social media videos of that yesterday and i was thinking about how cool that would be to see that yeah flood tides and stuff yeah it, it well if you go you definitely want to go with somebody that that really knows because if you try to figure it out yourself i mean it's such a tight window that you can miss it very very easily so unless you have if you only have like one or two days make sure that you're you're hitting it with somebody that that knows those tides in the different areas because like this flat over here could be three inches deeper than this one on this side of the channel and so yeah. you can go and hit one first and then you can go hit the other one after and extend that window out just a little bit longer but i have a couple of friends in in uh, south carolina that have taken me to do it another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Really fun. Really like it. Um, that's that's awesome. super cool. So I'm interested in, um, you. You when did you um, produce this album and put it out there? It just recently came out, right? Before Bonnaroo, right? Yeah, so it came out before Bonnaroo, but the whole thing was recorded about a year and a half ago Okay. in Austin. And the reason why we just held it is, you know, there was no, we wanted to kind of release it at an appropriate time where I was playing a lot of shows and kind of to work the record because I'm not really officially doing a tour right now. It's a lot of independent dates with, you know, opening up for different people or doing some festival stuff, but it's not like back to back, You're like, you know, different town every night so it's it's real spaced out so we kind of just released it before every everything kind of happened this summer and so more so right out of high school you you decide you're going to go to missoula mm -hmm. and you actually do go and where yeah where in in that process had you already recorded this album or mm -hmm. where okay so you so, recorded it the yeah. summer before you went to college yeah and first week of, of school i got the masters back and like yeah that's when it was all finished wow and so what's your thought process like as a i mean you say you're distracted by the by the fishing but you're also distracted by you you just have you're getting the masters back you're listening to this i'm assuming that it sounded really good so what what's the thought process when you're kind of a freshman in college you're in montana you're fishing all the time and you get this album back like what, what are you, what are you thinking? It's a distracting mindset, <laughs> an unfocused mindset, <laughs> no, but the, uh, it's, it's funny because as, as much as I say, I was unfocused in one way of my life. I kind of, kind of like you said, you know, it, it was not interested in this section, but diving everything, single thing possible into this section. And 
what I really wanted to do and why I was so happy that you reached out was, you know, figure out a way to tie in fly fishing with my music and try and figure out a way to make it not just about the songs like, or make it just about the music, more about kind of my outlook on how I want to pursue life and want to, you know, be into conservation and work with a bunch of amazing people in the outdoor industry and also write songs about it. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, promote that kind of realm, but which is, you know, more towards, you know, I have plenty of more songs that are going to get recorded and they're all more geared towards that perception of what I think and kind of the out, my direct outdoor um, correlation with the writing stuff. And so the first record was more like just, just songs that I just started writing and they ended up being a storyline of my high school experience, but second record that will come out and hopefully shortly, but it needs to get recorded first, of course, um, will be more about the fishing and the outdoor perception and all that stuff. That's cool. Well, on your website, you've got right, right away, you've got like all your, you got a tab right at the beginning of conservation and all the different groups that, that you support um, which is really cool. It's really cool because, you know, in country music, we've had, we've had a lot of, um, or not a lot of, but a fair number of people that were legit rodeo cowboys, right? Like Chris Ledoux and, and even Robert Earl Keen out of, uh, out of Austin itself. He, he says he has an eight, an eight second uh, rodeo career which was eight bulls that all lasted one second each <laughs> but, but you know so very different varying um degrees of a rodeo career from from somebody like chris ledoux that was super legit but i don't know that anybody's done that with with fishing like you hear like you know just the cliche fishing mm -hmm. stuff in in country songs but not like not like you're doing it with your heart I, or i don't know of any um <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like it could be, it could be a really cool angle. I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's for me, kind of going back to what I was thinking about the first week of college and stuff and how I was processing everything is, is just trying to figure out a way to, you know, I was thinking, I was like, well, how does this stuff work and what do I do? And the, I mean, the only thing I kind of come up with is just be honest about how I view things and everything should work out. Hopefully mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, what are your parents thinking at this, at this stage? Like you go to college and you're in, you're in there for a couple months, it sounds like. And is there a phone call home that you just <laughs> kind of there, talk to them or a, what, what happens here? There's a series of conversations that are, you know, my, I'm really fortunate in the fact that my parents have kind of understand the, uh, the whole pursuing a passion and pursuing, you know, what you're most invested in and kind of doing it that way. You know, my mom has a study abroad program that she just retired from, but her passion was, you know, traveling and cultures and that's what she did. And my dad's a visual artist who you know, has an art gallery in, in Fort Worth and does all that. So, and my dad's whole side of the family too is all you know musicians and playwrights and artists and sculptors so it's it's all I was in a really good place with my family to be able to say like I want to pursue music and I want to kind of see where this takes me and stuff and they've 
always been supportive through like supporting you know me and my brother through what we you know what we're passionate about Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't hard conversations, but it was definitely, you know, it was also a little bit scary and nerve wracking for me because, you know, it's, you realize, right, when you're out of school that you have, you know, schedules and you have to make your own schedule and you don't have one for you and you have to, you know, figure it out. And there's a lot of free time the first month of dropping out where I was trying to figure out how to get organized and you know, stay on track. And what does that look like when you're trying to get organized? You're trying to write more. You're trying to practice. You're, what are you doing? Well, writing for me is not. It's it's not really a consistent thing because it's so weird how I draw inspiration. It could be a weird moment where I'm just like, you know, with my friends, and I'm like, okay, now I have to like write this down. And then like, if I get in, you know, that headspace, it's game over. I have to go home and finish it. Like, <laughs> I have to focus on it. But, uh, um. It's it's really consuming is what I'm trying to say when it, when I get the inspiration to write a song and um, but it's different for everything. I mean, how I get organized typically is when I'm not when I have writer's block and stuff is through fishing. I just you know focus on that and kind of distance myself from writing. And it's not I don't have an exact science to anything yet, but I just kind of try and do. Um, you know, there's this there's a story that there's a musician named Guy Clark and he, he was woodworker, uh, you know, among many other things, but when he would write songs and get stuck, he would have his whole workshop behind him and he'd have a swivel chair. So whenever he'd get stuck, he would just turn around and start, you know, working with his hands on you know, different projects and stuff. And I kind of do the same thing with inspired by that with uh, fly time. So I'll have my vice and all that stuff there. And then I'll, you know, write and, the same station so if i get stuck i can just kind of you know tie flies and focus hmm. on that. that's awesome what uh what kind of flies do you like to tie you tie bass bugs or you tie trout flies or what all sorts of stuff i haven't tied many trout flies since i've been back in austin mostly all saltwater mm. redfish and stuff like that and you know, i i like to tie even though i don't you know fish for them a lot but a lot of like the, the grand slam species I just like the way they look. You tied the crabs? Yeah. yeah like Merkins or what do you tie? Well, this is like, you know, some EP stuff. This uh-huh. is one that's like for redfish. and Oh, yeah. Yeah. Start getting into it's those. like a Chinese finger trick, you know, that you like push it together. Yeah, that's what and I was, it, and it does. Yeah. It, it, it kind of flares out and then you tie it. Like a, a lot yeah. of the, um, uh, that fly is really popular in Cuba um, for permit. It's not as popular in the Keys for permit for some reason. I don't know. Um, we use a lot of that uh, rug yarn, like like you're you're talking about, and then the strong arm fly that it's got like a realistic crab claw coming off the back of it. That's really popular right now for the permit. And then the redfish flies are kind of fun to tie because they'll eat anything. So, yeah, you can get experimental <laughs> and feel good about yourself. It's <laughs> like when I went to Christmas Island. I I I had been there once before, and I was like, man, these fish, they they just like anything that's kind of flashy and and small and. And I just started whipping up the craziest stuff ever. And then when I got there, I was like, man, <laughs> let's see if they'll eat this. And it was almost as much fun to kind of see if they would eat something or if you could get a, a react, a negative reaction from them. Uh, I mean, it had to all be done right. But if the fly looked, you know, if it's kind of a variation on something else that you know works, it's got rubber legs on it or it's got a little more flash or it's got a different wing or something like that, then, you know, 
they 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 liked it a lot. But uh, I like yeah. tying the redfish flies and the and the bonefish flies. Also, there's some crazy fly tires that are so good at the at the crabs right now. They're so incredibly realistic. Yeah. But I love uh, I love tying those those uh, those type of flies as well. So I'm interested in the in the um, inspiration that you get from fishing. Like when you got rider's block and you need to go fishing, do you just like try to not think at all about what it is, and then then you kind of get like this this uh, all of a sudden it comes clear and you you go back to writing or how does it how does it work for you is it a no, gradual I mean, process or like lightning strikes it's really inconsistent and i don't think it'll ever really be consistent but i'd try my best <laughs> but it's uh you know when i fish i don't think about sometimes when i'm fishing i think about a lot of things that aren't related to music just like in general just like my mind kind of roaming but you know other times i'm really just dialed in on the fishing so it's really you know if i'm going out on flats like on the texas coast and i'm typically more locked in than you know if i'm like waiting a, a creek for bass yeah um and i love that but it's it's just two different mindsets kind of like the whole mindset too with you know fresh water and salt water in my opinion it, it that's changed for me because i've gotten more comfortable you know, double hauling and can be more relaxed on the bow of a boat and pulling a boat and stuff like that. But at first the transition was more, all right, saltwater is more intense and freshwater's not, but it, you know, it, it's, they're the same thing in their own right. And it's just different, but I've gotten more comfortable with, with both. <laughs> what's on your, um, what's on your bucket list of things that you would like to do in fishing? So many things. <laughs> <laughs> So many things. Um, I'm trying to think, I've been looking a lot at, you know, for freshwater stuff like jungle species, mm -hmm. just seem really cool. And I've had some of my buddies go down into the Amazon and stuff and fish for peacock bass and arapaima and all that stuff, and it just looks insane. But um, I'm trying to think. It's really weird because. I used to always want to just be like, all right, I want to travel, 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 and go different places. But, you know, I'm, I'm really close with a guide down in the Texas coast by the name of JT Van Zant, sure. And, uh, you, you know, we, we've just been longtime family friends and he's kind of mentored me into now what's getting into my musical outlook too, but also just, you know, fishing in general and what it means to, you know, respect nature and stuff. And I, really do believe in his uh process behind you know knowing a place intimately and that's kind of the greatest achievement that you can have as a as a fisherman is you know knowing your fishery the best that you know you can and you know you could possibly know it so that's kind of my outlook now and i'm just trying to figure out what that fishery is if it's if it's in texas or if it's somewhere else but um that's kind of my outlook on that right now with fly fishing and my goals with that yeah i would and, love to run you know i would love to work at lodge like you know lodges or diet at some point and figure out like i told you the other day on the phone my dream would be you know five months on tour and then five months uh really working on on you know a boat and like you know guiding and 
working with people and then the next two months kind of doing the recording process again and then cycling that through. You ever heard, did you ever hear the, the story of uh, David Lee Roth deciding that he wanted to be a, uh, um, a paramedic? No. And, and he actually was a paramedic, I think in New York. And he would, wow. he told the story on the Joe Rogan podcast. It's a fascinating because he was one of the biggest rock stars in the world. And he decided kind of like what you're talking about, like he needed something to take his mind off of all of this other stuff. And he, he tends to, um, well, at least the impression I get is that he tends to not want to let all that stuff get to his head. So he wants to do things that like regular people do. And he wanted to, he wanted to be uh, a paramedic. And he was like, so I was a, I went to school. I learned how to do it. I passed the test, got in there. I was the first one in the truck. I was the last one to leave. I was cleaning up the truck and everything. And, and, uh, I mean, imagine that you're like in trouble and David Lee Roth is your paramedic. (laughs) Oh my God, (laughs) what is going on here? But when you're saying this, like you, you're wanting to, to guide, dude, I can see it in your future. Like if you put out another album, like you are right now, you're, that's what it's going to be like. They're going to be like, this is your guide, Calder Allen, that people are going to be starstruck um, because the music that you're putting out right now is is really good, really good. Um, mm, thank you. I hope that you're super proud of it. I mean, maybe, you, maybe, I don't know, sometimes when you're doing something, you don't realize how good people think it is. I don't know. Where are you with that? I, mean, I know you're getting positive feedback on the album, but... Do you my whole my whole outlook on that is you know it's I can only be honest to what I can be honest about you know I, I've as long as I'm writing songs that fulfill me and are being honest to what I think then I'm I'm kind of doing my job as long you know when I start straying away from that and thinking you know things that aren't really related to you know being actually expressive is when you kind of get in a weird zone in my opinion because you know that's and that's what exactly kind of what I'm, I'm talking about with the guiding stuff and, and fishing is you know i i don't want to get to a point where i'm you know i want to have the balance of of you know it's not you know just to make sure that i maintain a a base on like why i do music and why i write songs and stuff like that and I'm really fortunate with who, the band members that I play with and my, you know, surrounding inner circles in Austin with, with music to, to be comfortable being myself freely and not feeling pressured to like, you know, all right, you know, I'm going to wear this stuff on stage because that's what people want me to wear. It's more, you know, all uh, expressive to what I want to do. That's super cool. That's one of the things that, that I like the most about, what I'm hearing is like, it's, it's truly original. Like it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have like the Nashville flair. It's really original. I like it. I mean, I love, uh, I, I just really, I just really like it from the first, uh, and it was funny because it was the first show that we saw at Bonnaroo. And then even a couple of days in, we're like, man, the people are like, what's your favorite show so far? Like kind of the first one. Like really, kind of the first one I saw because I always like Bonnaroo to to find new music and to find 
um, you know, things that I've never been exposed to. And you can hear some stuff that, that you really like. And then you can hear some stuff that other people are obviously really into it, but it's just not your scene, you know, and, um, and, and you just get this wide variety of music. I go to Bonnaroo because my daughter likes it. And, um, we've been going now. That's our, that's our third time. It would be our fifth time if it hadn't been canceled, but we go, we've been three times. And when we have this friend that goes with us and he takes his daughter because our, our daughters were best friends when they were growing up and then they, they moved away. And so this is our reunion and it's just kind of a really special time. And, uh, the girls love it. And it's just a, it's just a cool time to find new music and find new things. But, uh, this year, I mean, I, I really, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I think that, that you were probably one of my favorite shows. And it was interesting because we got to, got to see you twice and you were playing like <laughs> really, I said a hundred yards the other day. I bet it was about 400 yards, but this year they put stages. They haven't been doing that where they have the stages in the campgrounds like that. Right. And they try different things every now and then, but that was a really cool thing. And the night before you were there, the Turnpike Troubadours were on that little stage and they yeah. rocked it right there at 400 yards from our from our <laughs> uh rv and uh it was really cool but um that's a great well, I experience have to, i have to ask you because i didn't i didn't camp at the festival my <laughs> drummer my drum my drummer of course camped but the um, yeah i was wondering what that whole experience was like because i was you know me and all my band members were we're laughing when we pulled up to that show because we were like, Oh God, like these, this doesn't look comfortable. No, at all. <laughs> no it doesn't. Okay. So there's a lot of ways to do it. Right. And yeah. what you were looking at are people like your age, uh, camping in, in the, in the no power, no water, dry camp spots, right? Like yeah. there's that whole scene going on and, yeah. and man, it's hot. It's in Manchester, Tennessee in June. And it can be extremely hot. I don't really have yeah. a lot of interest in that. Okay. <laughs> then there's the then there's these other campsites that you pull an RV into. They have power, but no water. That's yeah. where we were. Now where we're going next year is to the VIP section. Um, finally, because the VIP section actually doesn't. I like Bonnaroo for a number of reasons. Um, one is that just the general admission ticket will allow you to stand in line for the pit and even on the biggest stage there, well, on the two biggest stage, there's a pit in front of it. They only let about 250 people in there. It could hold 1,000 people. So they only let 250 people in there. And if you're willing to wait in that line, you can stand. I mean, we were front row for Post Malone. I was front row for Sturgill Simpson. I've been front row for all of these bands my daughter wants to, to see. And you just wait in line, and then you're right there. And it's not super crowded. And then the VIPs behind you, and then behind that is the massive crowd. And yeah. you just have plenty of room. It's actually one of the most comfortable places to watch a show. Um, and so that's just with the general admission. And then the VIP is behind or backstage, which I don't really think is a better way a better experience to watch the music yeah back backstage show watching is pretty difficult to get a good mix of what the sound that they're doing right because well, be... also you know some bands 
don't even have monitors backstage. They're, yeah. It's all in their, their headphones. Right, and you so can you barely can't, hear can't it. Everything's hear projecting it. outwards, right? And you can yeah. hear it hundreds of yards out there like you're standing right next to it, but backstage it's not as good. So we're really not into that. So we've been doing just the general admission thing and doing the RV camping. Now, the RV camping is that's a lot more our style because there's a shower, there's air conditioning, there's food. Yeah, you're safe from the terror. <laughs> yeah, we and we spend we spend a good amount of time there. Like we we pick the shows that we want to go to, and we go yeah. you know over into the into the main deal, and do that whole thing until. But but then at any time we could say, well, you know, there's nothing we really want to see for a couple hours. Let's go back. We'll eat lunch or or eat an early dinner, and kind of hang out a little bit, and then we'll come back for these other shows that we want to see. That's a lot better. But then what we noticed this year is that the VIP section is actually inside the gate. So now you don't have to wait in line at all to get back into where all the concerts are. So they have a whole VIP camping area that has its own showers and its own bathrooms and everything like that. It's a little bit more expensive, but, you know, at this stage of my life, it's worth it. Definitely worth it. But the <laughs> yeah. camping, you know, I, I'm surprised more people don't uh, get in serious trouble with dehydration and, well, and yeah, heat I was, That's what I was thinking because I was, you know, even that first show, the first one that, y- that y'all saw, you know, I was in jeans and long sleeves and kind of covered up because I, you know, I refuse to wear shorts on stage. My, 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 <laughs> my, my, my uncle, the first thing he told me when I started playing and she was like, well, I'm going to, I'll tell you the only rules that you should you should probably follow. And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Don't wear a tank top and don't wear shorts on stage." Nice. And I was like, "I was like, okay, I'll, I'll honor that." But the uh, but it was hot, and I was like, "I can't imagine you know not being able to go back to AC or having to walk the whole vest to find water or like get you know it's yeah." I was like, "There's no way that this isn't like a health scare." It could be, and people are camping and sleeping in those tents, and they stay up at, at a at an EDM show until four o'clock in the morning, and then yeah. they go to sleep in a tent, and wake up, and the sun is blaring down at ten o'clock in the morning. I'm yeah. really surprised that more people don't get in trouble, but they don't seem to. They really don't. Or people yeah. are sleeping in cars, yeah. and you know how hot a car can get. I mean, my yeah, gosh. that's. But no, we don't have uh, we don't have anything to do with that. Nothing, nothing I at heard- all. I heard this one story of a photographer that was that was shooting Bonnaroo a couple of years back and he he cut his toe and then was walking around in the campsites and got a staph infection from from all you know just the the bacteria that was on the sites and had to get a had to get his toe amp- amputated oh that's <laughs> yeah. like the, that's, i was like i don't know that's the worst I, I thing ever now you're definitely gonna wear boots and and pants yeah i'm like <laughs> Yeah. So what do they do with the artists? Um, like when you play, how, how do you, how do they get you there? And then where do you go afterwards? Well, we stayed at the holiday Inn right outside of the fest. Okay. And they were, they would just shuttle in. They had a, like a, a bus that you would just walk up to and it would bring you to, it's called artist transportation, but it's like this, like just this dirt lot, like right behind the main stage. And, then you're at the you're at the fest and then you know it's all kind of you got to be at the right place at the right time then for your shows and stuff but if you gear wise like the day of your show they'll have people move your gear and it's it's pretty easy 
So you bring everything. Like I watch, you know, in the in the uh, in the transition of those shows, and they they'll be setting up the the next drum set, you know, off to the side a little bit, and then they're going to move mm -hmm. that in there. And and some people bring their own amps, and some people bring, you know, how does that work with like what the sound equipment? Do you just kind of yeah? Because some people come in and they've got their own light show and everything, and it's like, man, how did they do all that? Like it's yeah, so fast because it's, really it's only stressful. like twenty minutes. It's really stressful <laughs> because especially um, trying to figure out, you know, we, we drove up to Nashville or Manchester really, but to, to Tennessee to have all that stuff because it's scary flying with, you know, your guitars and amps and stuff. And it's just an uneasy feeling. And I feel way better having it in like the bed of a truck, <laughs> like while I'm driving it, than uh, you know, in an airplane cargo but it's it is stressful and that's that's really the biggest stress of the show is, is the all the you know loading up the gear and making sure that it doesn't get ruined while you're there and making sure that's you know protected but what it looks like is you you'll bring your gear and you have people on the stage helping you set it up and you do a sound check and after your set it just gets stripped down and then you're you could, you know, if you ask people for help, they'll help you, but it's, it's kind of on you to, to get everything organized and you bring it back to where it won't get ruined and stuff. But that's definitely the biggest stress of the show. Wow. Yeah. That. And so your experience with that, you're playing in, in Texas and I guess you played Austin city limits and you played lots of bars and all kinds of places, probably in, in, in and around Texas, you're moving all your own equipment. You're doing some of that. And is this just on a larger scale? Like you're just having to move it further and there's more people around and there's, is it just a bigger scale or was it, was well, it harder? It's harder to move gear in the small nightclubs because it's, everyone's crowding you. Yeah. And then it's, it's, uh, it, and then they realize that, that, you know, everyone talks to, the band members right before the show, they realize that you're playing and then they start asking all these questions. They're like, Oh, what's, what's this? And how's that? And Oh, that's cool. And it's like, it's really stressful because you're trying to set up. Yeah. You're like, trying to set up and get your thoughts together and remember the set yeah. list and the whole, the whole, there's probably a lot yeah, of things I you're trying it. to do. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's all, I love those shows. You know, I, I mostly play at the continental club in Austin and been really fortunate to have been playing the continental club, but it's, I love that venue, but it's, it is, uh, uh, you know, you get a lot of questions about your gear and stuff and you know, talking while you're trying to set up and stuff. It's, yeah. it's fun. Well, it makes but it's you... all fun. It's, it's cool. Like I like, I like that. It's, you know, like it, it, it'll make you an expert at, at doing that because like at <laughs> one make point an expert at what you own, because right. I, you know, I, they'll be like, you know, a lot of people in Austin really know their, you know, there's stuff about music. So they'll ask you about your gear. And I'm like, well, you know, it's all new to me. So I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and yeah. then I have to learn. And I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, I'll figure that out. Yeah. But it'll also make you an expert because at one point it took all your concentration to, to do that, to put all that stuff together and make sure that you're doing it right. And then soon you're doing it while people are talking to you, you're carrying on a conversation, you're doing this. It's not unlike being a fishing guide where, you know, you're, you're, you pull up to the ramp, your people are already there. You're there 30 minutes early and they're already there. And you're like, Oh man, I thought I was going to be early. And so now you got to go through the mm -hmm. whole, take the boat off the trailer, put it up to the dock, park the truck. And they're talking to you, trying to help you. And, and at one point, 
that was really super stressful just to be able to do that at all. And now you mm -hmm. can do it with two people like basically hanging on your on your shoulder like yeah, what are we going to fish for today? Like what what's the weather yeah. like? What are what, yeah. how the fish biting? You know, it's like okay, yeah. yeah. Cool. And then it just becomes second yeah. nature. You just get it all done. Yeah. For sure. That's kind of kind of what it's like now. It's just, which is a good feeling, but it's it's all fun. Yeah. I love I I've grown to love, you know, the whole live shows and stuff like that. You know, it used to be really stressful, but now it's it's pretty comfortable. Yeah. Well, between now and October, I've got your your list in my hand. You July fifteenth, um, you got the Avid Brothers and you. Um, yes, and that's one that's one that I'm. The travel is going to be stressful because we're we're going to fly up there, and that's like you know with gear, mm -hmm. it's going to be a little stressful. I have to figure that out today because we're going to fly out tomorrow, but it's. Uh, and make sure everything's locked and hardened and, and so that's commercial flight yeah wow and what are, what do you do for baggage like i mean most well, people are getting I'm hit with a 50 50 pound baggage overage yeah and you're carrying all this figure stuff out is and i was looking at it this morning and i think what i'm gonna have to do is just request that i can carry on a guitar and have my brother carry on my second guitar and that's how we'll do it and i guess i won't bring an amp and hope that there's a backline one that i can use there because if, if there's not i could just plug in with my acoustic and play the whole set i don't need to play an electric but it's it's all really stressful because uh yeah i just don't want anything to break and then you know. seems like you could go with with like the stuff we use for our cameras and stuff like the pelican cases and the yes yeah those exactly. kind of deals and it seems like i've never seen that but they have gun cases it seems like you'd be able to fit fit a guitar yeah. in a gun case maybe well i have i do have hard cases for guitars that i'm going to use but the problem is that i need to get a lock on them because uh -huh. i don't like you know i don't want you know yeah, then, then TSA is going to be thinking it's a gun, and they're going to want to open it. Yeah, and so yeah. you, yeah, that's a that's a tricky one. So then you've got the Wood Brothers. Just mm -hmm. shortly after that, three days later, two big mm -hmm. names, one in Boulder, one in Washington, and then Both Lollapalooza. Yeah, how are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna do what um, Adrian Smith did on on my Whoa. podcast? He was talking about how he uh, he he was the the guitarist for Iron Maiden. If you haven't heard that podcast, you should definitely go back and listen to it. But he's a he's a very passionate fisherman, and he he spent his whole career just like he would say, "Oh, this next one's in Boulder. What's the nearest river to Boulder? Where where do people yeah. fish there?" And then he would yeah. plan like an extra couple of days to to kind of hang around and fish the That's frying exactly pan what we're doing. or the yeah <laughs> the aspen. Go to you should fish the frying pan there. That that river's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's yeah, closer well, to probably, Aspen really. Yeah, that's that's closer. It's a little bit ways off. I'm probably gonna end up fishing, probably just Boulder Creek right in town. Like just like oh, real, well, your like, brother like, knows it, right? Yeah, my brother knows it, and they, you know, I could go to the South Platte and do Deckers and stuff, but or, or the Blue. But I'm probably just gonna do Boulder Creek with like a three weight. That sounds super fun. Nice, <laughs> nice. So then that's the one other thing that you're gonna have to take with you. Now you're gonna have to yeah. get a case that can have a a uh, a guitar and a fly rod in there yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna start making cases that are yeah. <laughs> the market size is two people <laughs> yeah right well maybe yeti will do it for you or something like that uh and then Lollapalooza. 
That's a yes. big one. That's that's like really big. What do you know about yeah. that one? I've never been. Uh, I've my brother had a band growing up, and he played it, and he said it was nuts. But it's uh, I've never been. Uh, the only festival I had been to before Bonnaroo was ACL, and mm-hmm. then I went to Bonnaroo and realized that ACL was very low maintenance compared to Bonnaroo. <laughs> Bonnaroo was kind of on a whole different game <laughs> of a of a music festival its own beast man there is quite a lineup at um at Lollapalooza. oh yeah i'm so excited really it's gonna be good. really fun it's gonna be really fun really really good um yeah that'll be great and then uh then you've got a few more festivals and then the turnpike troubadours on october 22nd um in texas how far is that mm-hmm. from you New 45 Bronfels. minutes it's right right on uh yeah there's this fishing hole in the guadalupe river called whitewater it's at because it's right by whitewater amphitheater oh nice and so it's like right where me and my buddies used to fish in high school and do you float that river i have i usually just wait it it's kind of i it's weird for me fishing for like trout just shouldn't be in that river it's (laughs) real like (laughs) like not natural for my brain to to be you know, you see, it's just, it's a little brutal in my, in my perspective. I like fishing for wild fish and stuff like that. And no, don't they have a Guadalupe bass there that is well, yeah, native yeah. to, can, to that area? Yeah. yeah. Guadalupe bass is Texas's state fish. And those fish are awesome. They fight a little bit harder than a largemouth, pound for pound. And I mainly fish for them on the lower Colorado river outside of Austin, kind of like East. And so are they um, a little bit more of a river stream fish than a, than a lake fish or like a large they, mouth? They do both. I will say in the, the still water stuff, if you have like a, a rock outlying and there's this little bit of a, a lull in the current, they'll be behind there. But it's, uh, they, they do like current. Mm-hmm. You know, like, have you fished like for smallmouth much? Mm-hmm. I've actually caught a smallmouth on the water with Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. they were there. Which is, yeah, which is super rare. And then the... Uh, the Devil's River is where I really want to go and fish for smallmouth. I think isn't that um, where Alvin guides? Alvin? Yeah, that was that that Yeti film. Yeah, he did that, that Yeti film with uh, one of our hosts, uh, Miles Miles Berghoff, was in that uh, mm-hmm. also. Um, he said that river was really cool, really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, it's awesome. And you do there's no is there a motor allowance on that or is it total float? I don't know. I, I think it's total float. Yeah. I would assume it'd probably be pretty hard to run because there's a lot of shallow spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Uh oh, we lost you one more time. Yeah. Um, so as go. far as the conservation and, and your music go, what, what kind of a tie do you see um, you know, at this stage? Obviously lots of things can, can change and, and nobody knows the future, but what, what kind of a tie do you see um, between you know yourself and your message and your music and and conservation on your website you've got texas park wildlife foundation coastal conservation uh cca bonefish tarpon trust and uh project healing waters which is super cool organization we've done a couple of uh, tv shows with them um what what kind of a tie do you see with that just how i like how I feel connected with those. Yeah. And how, how you would like to see yourself work with those organizations or other organizations and kind of what's, what's your, what's your mission as far as conservation goes. 
you know, really the whole the whole point behind having the conservation thing on the website too is the only one I've worked directly with is the, is the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation. And I've done, you know, some stuff for Bonefish and Tarpon Trust, but nothing really extensive compared to what the people that actually work for them do. And it's uh for me it's more just I wanna have those out like I don't ha- I don't need to have any affiliation with them at all. I w- I'd, of course, if something happened where, you know, they were like, we want to do this event or like, something like that, I would love to work with them and do all that stuff for like, you know, and help them. But that's not the whole point is just ever, like getting more people to look at stuff like that and think like that with, you know, I don't have any expectation behind anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know if you were already working with them or not. Um, yeah, love to get you hooked in with uh, Captains for Clean Water too. Um, they do some incredible things in the state of Florida. Um, yeah, for sure. And Texas needs a chapter of that as of right now. For sure. It's, uh, yeah. What kind of water issues are you are you facing there? A lot of oyster harvesting, mm. and um, yeah, it's it's no no bueno, but it's. Uh, it's a lot of just misinformation and people not understanding what you know is actually happening on the Texas coast. So they think everything's fine and it's not. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, well, well, education in in my experience in what with with captains for clean water is that education is the first and and most uh, effective and efficient step in uh, in just really letting people know what is happening in a way that. They can understand it and not feel like an idiot for not knowing it and like in being having like a a real warm inviting kind of deal as opposed to this this super outrage you know going on and i think that captains for clean water has been very very effective for with with explaining the water issues to to fishermen and non-fishermen and to kind of um to, to, to really gain a lot of following from people that, you know, may be associated with real estate or maybe associated with the restaurants or whatever that, you know, tourism that is associated with, with water. And Texas is much the same. You have this beautiful coast, and if the water is not good, then people aren't going to want to go there, you know, eventually, exactly. whether they're fishermen yeah. or bird watchers or, or just people that like the coast. Um educating them in a way that it's like inviting i think is a real as yeah. a real well the, the real problem now that that social media has created and kind of my generation you know with attention span and stuff like that is it's so hard to push a narrative good or bad it's easier to push a bad one but it's it's so hard to push any narrative of any sort or any agenda because it's you know, say I was to post something saying, all right, here's this oyster, you know, over harvesting oysters in Texas coast, boom, boom, boom. Then you have, you know, 20 other ones saying that it's that's not what's going on. And then you got, you know, the algorithm of social media going to the 20 other ones because everyone's reading that, like all the negative stuff, because that's just how usually how it works. And it's just, it's a whole mess of, of misinformation and trying to you know, it's hard to, to rally people together up. Like, I, I don't know if it was like that all the time. I, I can't speak for, you know, growing up without social media, but it's, it seemed, it seems harder now to get people on the same page about 
really being determined for more than a week on an issue. <laughs> yeah, because the attention span for everyone has has shrunk, and and it's not like things were different or or, or radically different, but they were much slower. Yeah. Right when there were only yeah. three channels on TV, and you had three different news news channels. Well, one might be pushing one, one might be pushing another, but the the news cycle was much much slower, and you were getting your news from from television and the newspaper. And so the newspaper is going to be published once a day. So mm. you're not going to get another, you know, um, opinion until tomorrow morning, where now <laughs> it's you get an opinion every millisecond. There's somebody yeah, else. And then, yeah, and then you end up not reading all the opinions, and then you can't make your own, and it's, <laughs> it's just weird. It is. It's a weird time. And um, I don't know if we're capable of, of that much information being available to us 24 seven all the time. I just, I just really don't know. And, and I, and I think that's one of the reasons why the attention span is shrinking because you're not capable of ingesting that much information. So you just scroll through, just, just keep, keep yeah. moving until yeah. you see something that's, that's outrageous or, or something. And then you stop on that for a little bit, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. It's really weird. Yeah. So uh, we'd love to get you down to the keys, come down there and fish, Sometime I wanted I did pass your name over to um, to the general manager at Hawks K about the keys to country. That's um, that's a that's a great um, thing that they have going on there. And I know they've had some really Lee Bryce has been down there and a couple other people that I that I know and like. Um, you'd be perfect for that. If he, if we can get you hooked up with that, I'll come down there, <laughs> um, take you fishing myself, and uh, and we'll make that happen. But uh, your I new uh, your new album is called The Game. And where do people get it? I listen to it on Spotify, but I don't know where everybody gets it. Yeah. What you do it's with on it. All, it's on all streaming platforms and it's uh, I'm trying to figure out how to do a vinyl right now. So hopefully that will be in the works because I think that'd be really cool. But it's uh, as of right now, it's on any streaming platform that's available. Hmm. Uh, one more question. Who did you listen to? What kind of music did you listen to? Like when you're like, you know, 12 to 17 that that kind of time frame in your life well fishing you know fishing films actually got me into listening to more um like actually what i call is actual music you know it's it's well it's it's actually okay this is kind of hard to explain but you know <laughs> watching cosmo and all these like insane like fishing hype films i love that and then i got into that type of music because i was like i would imagine in the bass drop you know you're like and then like me and my friends in the car would always do like the fake hook sets and like on bass drops and stuff and it's hilarious but it's uh it be then i started watching other films where it was more acoustic stuff and i was like well that's cool and it was real easy for my brain to be like that's awesome because it's like i'm looking at fish films while like there's like some cool acoustic thing going on so i started listening to a band called camp and uh ryan bingham and a few others that you know the camp was the biggest inspiration for me to start writing songs directly that i i kind of noticed because i didn't take vocal lessons or anything so i kind of would listen to their records and and start singing but you know there's a there's a plenty of other inspirations and stuff and bands and 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 such but that was the one that i really remember being like wow kind of you know my, I wanna, my daughter loves that band she loves yeah, camp they're, <laughs> yeah they're 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 really good 
I think. <laughs> yeah, no, they are. They are. They're really good. And um, and so that inspiration when you're when when you're writing a song, do you hear melody in your head, or do you do do you put it around that after, around the words later? Well, when I started doing it, it it kind of had to be guitar dependent on what I what I could do because. I couldn't think of, I wasn't good enough at guitar to think of, and I'm really not now, I kind of fake it, but, <laughs> um, you know, to think of a melody in my head and make that was really hard. So I would have to make the melody on the guitar and then kind of sing to that, which is, you know, ended up being really great for writing, honestly, because you're kind of writing to what that melody wants to say. So you're, it's, that's kind of, it makes you think about what that song should be and not, you know, I'm going to say this and this and then have right, you know, the melody to it, it, which is great. That's, I do that too, but starting out just, you know, the guitar rhythm. Wow. That's really cool, man. Well, you've come a long way in a very short amount of time and I really look forward to seeing um, <laughs> what you do in the next, in the next year, really, because well, thank you so much. It's, it's really cool. And, and the, the connection to fishing is, is awesome. And, um, the people that are listening to this podcast, you should definitely go check out this new album, The Game. It's fantastic, and um, and and he's he's one of us. He's a fisherman, <laughs> and uh, and a, and wants to be a guide. And um, you know, cool. The whole thing's cool. So I really look forward to staying in touch and um, seeing what you do. And good luck in the next uh, between now and October. I mean, you know, I'm sure other stuff's going to pop up, but that's a that's a very exciting schedule. And um, I just, I just know some big things are going to happen for you, and I'm happy well, for thank it. you so much. Yeah, I really man. appreciate that. Thanks for having me on this. I was really excited. All right, me. great, man. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Okay, go get the game, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right, see you.